Greetings fellow tech seekers, Sean from Silicon Theory here, and this is Silicon Theory Radio. Wherever it is that you're listening to us, whether it's on Anchor.fm or your favorite podcast player, thanks for tuning in today. Today I want to talk about a lot of Apple news. So first up, uh, first and foremost, we are going to have our iPhone XS Max review live on our channel in the next uh, day or so, and shortly thereafter, our review of the iPhone XR will go live as well. So make sure you head on over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Silicon Theory. Hit subscribe and also hit that bell icon so that you're notified when those reviews go live. A lot of positive things that Apple has done with these new iPhones. They're not perfect, uh, and I don't think that anybody should pretend that they are, and even Apple apologists probably will have nits to pick with both of these devices, but I think that in their own ways, there are things that are definitely very attractive for a large segment of buyers, even though the recent news has indicated that supply components for phones like the iPhone XR are down. And that's indicative of a lot of the different things, but not necessarily that these phones are not selling in large quantities. In addition to that, the embargoes haven't been lifted, so the reviews of the new iPad Pro is starting to come out, and the reviews of the Mac Mini are starting to come out, and the reviews of the refreshed MacBook Air are starting to come out. And in a lot of ways, you've got some very, very good things and some not so good things. So let's start with the iPad Pro. The biggest uh, sticking points for most people with the iPad Pro is not the hardware, it is not the pricing, although these are very expensive machines along with very expensive accessories, but simply that iOS 12 is not a very strong mobile computing platform. And by computing, I mean what people need to use a computer for. If you listen to The Vergecast, you'll notice that uh, recently they had an episode talking with one of the executives over at Adobe, and they are bringing a Photoshop to the iPad, and you'll be able to use a native uh, Photoshop experience along with the Apple Pencil to do all of the things that you would use Photoshop for, but you're able to do it on the iPad Pro. And this is a terrific use of that technology, but... It speaks a lot to the fact that iOS is not a computing platform based on all of the work that Adobe had to do to make this a viable workflow for a lot of content creators and creative individuals. The hardware is never a question. The screen is very nice, the display is large, the reduced bezels means that you have much more surface area to work with in a very small footprint. The A12 chipset from Apple is impressive and its powering of everything from iPads to iPhones means that there's a lot of headroom there, but it also means that you're leaving a lot on the table in terms of computing power because iOS 12 simply does not take advantage of all of this raw computing power. Even the custom coprocessors, the extra silicon that is being used in these chips for security and audio compression and offloading some of the graphics and CPU duties to this separate chip means that you're really not taking full advantage of the power of this very powerful machine. If you had an iPad Pro that was running Mac OS, you could actually do real work with it, but it doesn't. It runs iOS, and this is a touch-first mobile interface that is designed largely around mobile phones, and those devices simply are not what creatives and content creators are using to do actual workflows for certain applications. 
So if you use an iPad Pro or if you want one of the new iPad Pros or if you've purchased one of the iPad Pros, call into the show. Let us know what you use it for. Let us know what work you can actually do with your iPad Pro. I'm not going to take a lot of time on the Mac Mini, but it's basically the exact same Mac Mini from before, but with refreshed hardware, and that's a good thing for people who are looking to bring their own custom uh, keyboard, mouse, and monitor assemblies, and just want to use Mac OS, this is great. If you're looking to build a server farm with a dozen Mac Minis to do lots of different things, and according to... um, the Vector Podcast, Renee Ritchie had recently the head of Mac product design on his show, and he's basically espousing the Mac Mini as a very viable use case for a wide number of uh, creative and professional endeavors. Uh, but whatever you use the Mac Mini for before, you're going to basically be able to use the Mac Mini for in the future. It's just going to be a lot more powerful with options to include things like gigabit Ethernet and multiple different uh, processing uh, configurations. Now the MacBook Air, probably the single most successful computing platform that Apple's had in the last decade, and it was sorely in need of a refresh, and so Apple did it. They brought along the new design language that they've ported from the MacBook and the new MacBook Pros that released the last couple of years. They added USB-C, they kept the headphone jack, improved the display to retina quality while trimming the bezels quite a bit, and kept the wedge-shaped design that was so singular, so revolutionary back in the second generation of the MacBook Air's launch. But they didn't keep one thing that made the MacBook Air very successful, and that was the $999 price point. Now, a lot of people will tell you, yes, in the initial launch of the MacBook Air, these MacBooks were very expensive. And priced according to the economies of the time, that is relatively true. $2,000 today is not the same as $2,000 10 years ago. But having said that, Apple's still competing with themselves. They have a MacBook that you can still buy. It's not as good, but you can still buy it for $1,000. That's kind of the sweet spot for these types of base level or entry level mobile laptops. There are tons of people who are going to buy a MacBook Air and say you can go off to college with it. You can use it as your primary computer for email web surfing and YouTube watching. You can use it as a non-professional. You can use it as a non-technical savvy person while still not necessarily having to invest a ton of cash into buying what is clearly an expensive products because Apple's products are always priced at the premium part of the market. And that's not what they did. You can get an entry-level new MacBook Air for around $1,200, which isn't significantly more expensive than that. But after tax and everything, you're probably looking at something around $1,450. And for $1,450, you have other options. You can get the entry-level MacBook Pro, which has a better CPU and a brighter screen and a lot more custom configurations for things like storage and RAM options. You can also, if you really wanted an ultra portable, get just the regular 12-inch MacBook. It shares a lot of the same designs. It's not going to be quite as powerful, but if what you need is thin and light and portable, not much beats that 12-inch MacBook. It's thinner, it's lighter, and it's a little bit smaller. So for road warriors everywhere, everywhere, that's gonna be probably a good choice. And it's within $50 of the starting price point of this new MacBook Air. So we have a bit of a puzzle. 
Apple has quite a few machines in this price point. And as uh, John from over at Painfully Honest Tech pointed out, there is a lot of confusion, it seems like, around Apple's laptop strategy right now. And maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, but what it does mean is that I don't think as many consumers are going to be flocking to this device as they might have otherwise if it was just a little bit cheaper. That's the show for Thanks again for listening. And remember, you can find all of our content over at silicontheory.com. Follow us on social. We are at Silicon Theory on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I've got some photo comparisons of pictures taken from the iPhone XS Max and the XR, comparing them to my Pixel 3's photographs. So you can comment there and let us know what you think about the camera samples. Also, again, you can hit the link in our bio to get to our video channel and check out all of the content that we'll have there. We have a ton of phone reviews coming. We also have some other interesting product reviews they're going to be doing before the end of the year. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you get notifications turned on so you don't miss a minute when those shows go live on the channel. Appreciate you, all of you. And remember, as always, we will talk tech soon.